so welcome to this bonus episode of Trunk Bible Study. So we read a lot of recap today. A lot of stuff that we'd already seen before. We had some Groundhog's Day and some Deja Vu. And uh, one of the things that, that we mentioned during the episode was this thing about Asher, Asherim or Asherah, who, you know, God just sort of in a passing note, Yahweh was like, and destroy their idols to this thing. And so, and Dedeker started like, looking into why that. Why is this important to you, God? <laughs> right, right. Like, why why this one by name? What's that about? And Dedeker, you had looked up some stuff in the Wikipedia, right? About, like, have you, did you see any more about that? Like, what the deal is with this? Is she like a goddess or what? Well, so, I mean, according to the Wikipedia, she was initially kind of attributed to Baal, who was a god of the Canaanites. But then they're also like, but he's, she's also been listed as like the consort or the wife to Yahweh, which is super surprising. That's so interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I know, Jace, you looked up more about Asherah actually being a wife to Yahweh. Yeah, well, so I just looked up like Asherah, what is it? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I quite typed <laughs> that into Google, but something to that effect. So what, what came up for me was this article that's talking about this, a scholar, like a biblical scholar, who's suggesting that there's evidence that God, that Yahweh, that God, had a wife, essentially, or a partner God. It's, I mean, calling it a wife is, I don't know, is a little weird, maybe, but who's named Ashira, that gets mentioned, like that there's like little bits and pieces of that are still left in the Bible, but kind of making the argument that most of Ashira got kind of written out of the Bible by the mm. male historians who wrote down the Bible back in the day. And that there's still these just like little bits and pieces, but actually like looking at archeological evidence and stuff finds inscriptions and things like that that talk about Yahweh and Ashira. Yeah, so in my research, I came across apparently the name that they have for like the writer who wrote most of like the story of Adam and Eve and most of the narrative that's in the Torah or the first five books of the of the Hebrew Bible. They call him the Yahwist. The Yahwist. <laughs> that's a good name for a podcast right there. Yeah, the Yahwist, because he was the first author of the Hebrew Bible to use the name Yahweh for God. Oh. So they call him the Yahwist. Interesting. And huh. what scholars know about the Yahwist was that he was very anti-Canaanite. And clearly they think that, yeah, <laughs> that part of that was, so I think the way it worked, and if you're out there as a biblical scholar or as a Torah scholar, and this is totally wrong, please let us know because this is the result of like 10 minutes of research. Um, but my impression <sighs> is that like Asherah was either the wife of Yahweh or she was the wife slash consort of El, who was the head god of the Canaanites, or both at the same time. She may have been technically like married to both these gods at once. Whoa. Dang. And I love that. as Israelite sentiments became more and more anti-Canaanite, there was more of this push to include Asherah in that, that, oh, Asherah is one of those Canaanites gods or goddesses and so we need to really separate ourselves from her but the thing is like jace was saying even in the archaeological record like there's evidence that it's like even in the temple of solomon there was still an asherim pole which was something that was you know an object attributed to worship of the goddess asherah you know that it was very much a part of like 
inherent Israelite worship was including Asherah, but then by the time it came around that like this writer was writing all these stories, there was this like anti-Canaanite sentiment and this very like pro-monotheistic sentiment. And so they had to kind of try to like really minimize her role and really also demonize her essentially. Yeah, because apparently the Hebrew Bible, the Torah refers to Asherah about 40 times, but pretty much always in negative terms. Yeah. So there's there's a bunch of scholars that are mentioned in this article, but one is J. Edward Wright, who's the president of the Arizona Center for Judaic Studies and the Albright Institute for Archaeological Research, that he's quoted as one of the people talking about these ancient Hebrew inscriptions that mention Yahweh and his Asherah, as in those mm. two kind of being together. And he talks about the fact that Asherah is not totally edited out of the Bible, and that there are these little traces that remain, and then that combined with archaeological evidence and references to her in other texts from nations that bordered Israel and Judah, that they can kind of reconstruct her role in this area. One thing that mentions here is that some other names that Asherah was known by was Astarte, like A-S-T-A-R-T-E, which is definitely a name I've heard before. I can't remember where. Huh. But I've definitely heard about that is Astarte and Istar or Ishtar. I-S-T-A-R. Oh, yeah, Ishtar. I've heard that one. Yes. Yeah, those were like other names that she went by, which I'm like, oh, those names I've heard before, even if I haven't heard of Asherah. And then he also talks about uh, the fact that some English translations translate Asherah as sacred tree. Oh, oh wow. I like that. This particular scholar, though, Right says that this seems to be in part driven by a modern desire, clearly inspired by the biblical narratives, to hide Asherah behind a veil once again. Kind of like hmm. making her into not a god, but just like, oh, this sacred tree, whatever. Just this tree. Right. Interesting. Yeah. So it's it's interesting. But but you were right in the episode that like a lot of these talk about her being this powerful fertility goddess. Huh. Yeah. Gosh, wow. so fascinating. And geez, like uh, I'm just yeah I'm just a little bowled over by it. I, like we keep coming up back to the same theme of how like translators and writers and stuff have so much influence over these things especially back at a time when you can't really fact check this stuff yeah I know yeah. that's so interesting mm-hmm. well and I was kind of riffing on during the episode the fact that like so many things in this episode were covered in previous episodes and we were talking about how like it all just became sort of a big deja vu. And so I was wondering, like, why is so much of Exodus like spent repeating itself? And it seems like we've kind of been here before with other books as well. Yeah. So I found an interesting explanation on holytrinity.net, which talks about the fact that like God is kind of giving himself to these people but then they like sin against him immediately with the golden calf. And so it says that Exodus spends so much time on the construction of the tabernacle because the tabernacle is the place where sin is dealt with. So it says, this is the place where the problem is solved about how a holy God can dwell in the midst of a sinful people. The tent curtains and especially the thick veil served as a separator, a dividing barrier between God and the people so that God would not break out against them and kill them, which apparently oh. is Exodus 33, 5. 
Have we gotten there yet? Yeah, we, we, have we to, just did we that. Just that did was that. regarding this. Yeah. Right. I guess different way of putting that, but it was that thing of God being like, don't let people look on me or I'll yeah, kill them, I guess. Or else yeah. I'll kill them. Yeah. Huh. It says, also the tabernacle was a place of sacrifice so that the sins of Israel could be atoned for. While the solution was not permanent, it did facilitate communion between God and his people. Whoa. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's just like, we got to talk about this place a lot because it's where sin is dealt with and everyone be sinning in these chapters. Yeah. But just another thing to kind of go back to the like were there multiple gods or just one too like we've been pointing out all along the fact that you know we were taught that the bible is all about just the one god and that's the only god that exists but then from actually from reading it it sounds like there are multiple gods and god even acknowledges the fact there's multiple gods and he's just saying like don't worship them yeah that's fascinating in this same article this other biblical scholar professor Brody, I guess. But he was saying that ancient Israelites were polytheists. He's like, only Mm. a small minority would have actually just worshipped Yahweh, and most would have worshipped multiple gods until the events of 586 BC, which is still quite a ways out from when these events are supposed to be happening in Exodus. Um, And 586 BC was the, the siege of Jerusalem or the second siege of Jerusalem, technically. There's some arguing about when exactly in history that happened. But in that year, an elite community within Judea was exiled to Babylon, and the temple of Jerusalem, or the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed. This led to, according to him, quote, a more universal vision of strict monotheism, one God not only for Judah, but for all of the nations. So that's really interesting, too. I had never heard about any of that before. But this idea that some other sort of political and kind of war-based things could have happened that would have influenced going back and being like, now that we're writing these stories, we're going to change these to be more monotheistic because of these things that have happened. Interesting. Yeah. I'd love to learn more about that. Well, it reminds me, because there was something similar that happened in Egyptian history where the pharaoh, I think it it was Akhenaten who who decided like we're monotheists now we're all going to worship Ra and Ra is going to be the only God. Um. And also incidentally, Ra and I are maybe the same person. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah. awesome. You know, where it was like this really uncompromising, like monotheism, but it didn't last. Like it, like after Akhenaten died, like the Egyptians were like, well, that's over. Now we can go back to worshiping all the other gods. But I think that is interesting that it was also politically linked so he's like, I've gotten a message from the gods that actually there's just one god and it's Ra. <laughs> Worship just Ra. I am Ra. And they're like, wait, what'd you say? He's like, oh, I Maybe don't know. Maybe something like that. I actually, I don't know if it was a full one-to-one, but I think it was kind of like, I'm only That's worshiping funny. just Ra and now everyone else has to as well. Mm, I see. Yeah. I see. And I am Ra. Like, what? What'd you say? Did you say something <laughs> you about are? you being Ra? I don't yeah. know what you're talking about. I am Ra. Yeah. That... <laughs> That's my conclusion. I love it. All right. Well, that was fun. I'd love to learn more about these things, but that will have to wait until next time. <laughs>